You're listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amswell. Welcome, everyone, once again to the third episode of the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil. I am one of your hosts, Brent Smith, alongside Shane Stetsney, and we're ready to get things started again on another great episode. Shane, what do we have in store? Well, Brent, we're back to our normal format this time. We appreciate all the listeners out there putting up with two straight episodes of you and me talking, but this time it's back to some guests. We've got two great guests, so why don't we jump right into that? Well, in episode three, our first guest is going to be Ryan Beat here with me and Shane. Ryan, what's up, buddy? How's it going? going good how are you guys doing i'm, I'm doing great so how, how's your off season been are you uh, as as tired of the off season and as excited to get underway as we are <laughs> yeah our off season has been crazy busy we built a couple new trucks for for customers updated all of our stuff updated a bunch of the current trucks we currently field uh it's been crazy but we're ready to get back to racing it sucks working in the shop without uh, actually getting to go have some fun so uh we're excited to get the season kicked off here here real quick. So you made a social media post a couple of weeks ago that said your one and only goal this year is a Pro 2 championship. But Pro 2 is, uh, let's face it, it's the deepest class, the most talented class in Champ Off-Road. Last year, six different winners. Plus, you've got a former champion climbing, plus Matag's coming back. Corey Winner, and then you've got the emerging guys like uh, Zach Zakowski, uh, Dave Mason Jr. coming to play with us. How do you prepare yourself? How do you stare down that enormous challenge and prepare yourself to win? Honestly, I don't even I don't even look at what the field is. I don't know who's racing. I don't care who's racing. Um, I just kind of focus on myself and focus on my own program and and keep improving. I know how we did last year. You know, um, we won the second most amount of races uh, of the field. I think Keegan won the most, and we won the second amount. So uh, or second most. Um, with that said, um, all we could do is kind of look forward and keep improving our program and, and focus on ourselves. You know, anybody can come play. I don't care. Um, but our goal is still going to stay the same and, and focus is going to stay the same to, you know, remain competitive, win as many races as we did last year, um, if not more. And, uh, you know, just keep marching forward. Um, I've won three pro light championships in the past. Um, I know how to win championships. I know what it takes. I know how to get it done. And, Sometimes the cards fall in your favor and sometimes they don't. Last year we were leading the points uh, headed into Bark River and, and had a very favor, favorable chance at winning the championship and, you know, had a bad weekend. Um, it can happen to anyone, um, but you try to pre- prepare yourself mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, and, and, you know, prepare your team to uh, be ready to, to seize an opportunity when, the, when it happens. So, um, you know. Like I said, we don't we don't really care who's racing pro two or names or stats or anything like that. We just focus on ourselves and look forward to, to, to going out and being competitive. You mentioned Bark River last year. Uh, that was kind of when the, the class as a whole reached a sort of tipping point. Uh, there were some penalties and some other non-calls on some, you know, maybe questionable driving. Do you think that the, the entire pro two class can leave all that stuff in 2021 and, and uh, you know, race each other on the up and up this year? I think so. Um, but you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're all kids playing in really expensive trucks. So, <laughs> you know, tempers fly and, and, uh, you know, things happen. It's racing. There's always going to be high, high emotions that go on with, with any type of, you know, um, adrenaline crazed sport like we, we have here. But, uh, you know, I think everybody's good. Everybody's, uh, you know, for the most part, very respectable of each other. 
it's when people step the step over the line and don't respect each other or their equipment is when you start seeing things like that go on. Um, when guys start not showing respect for each other of, of how they race each other is when, when stuff like that happens. So um, I think, you know, in, in my terms, I didn't really have any issues um, with anybody last year. I know some other guys did, you know, hopefully they can leave those, those things in, in 2021, like you're saying, and we can all go have fun and go race together. Cause at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, we're here to have fun. It's not like this uh, sport at this given moment is uh, at the level of a NASCAR Indy car where there's millions and millions of dollars uh, up for grabs. Um, we're still kind of having fun with this. So at that point, hopefully everybody can, you know, take a step back once in a while and realize that, you know, we're lucky just to be able to get to do what we're getting to do, you know? No, very well said though, Ryan. I mean, a lot of guys need to listen in to this podcast and listen how you said that it's, it's perfectly said because, I mean, as a businessman, as a racer, I've been watching you since I've been a younger kid. And I'll tell you that it's crazy how drivers come through that field and they'll just punt people, don't care about it. And then there's drivers like you. And I know a lot of other drivers like you that like to just pick your way through. Try to keep the fenders on because if your fenders are on, you actually have a truck underneath you. If you take yourself out by making contact, how fun is that race, right? Well, yeah, exactly. And then you got to think of it too, from a marketing standpoint, and I think that's kind of where my head's based a lot is marketing. Um, you know, there's very little dollars available in this sport as it is. And the last thing you want to do is limit their reach right, right. by not having their, their logos on your truck, you know? So you want to try to keep all the panels on the truck at all times and, um, you know, represent your sponsors professionally. They don't want to have to, you know, hang their heads in, in, in embarrassment uh, when their driver does dumb shit. <laughs> um, you know, so I think, uh, you know, from my perspective is it's, let's try to keep the fenders on the truck because a sponsors don't get nothing. If there's no fenders on the, you know, they don't get anything out of it. Their logos isn't shown. And then B, I mean, the fenders are expensive wraps, expensive, you know, the stuff's too expensive right, these days right. to, uh, just be foolish and, and, and negligent, you know, with, with how you make decisions on the track. In that answer that you just gave in, what I see of the way you conduct yourself, you obviously take racing as a, a business very seriously. So how hard is it to actually be a pro driver at that level? I, the casual fan, they might see the results on the track. They might see the podiums and the wins. But uh, what does that look like for you Monday through Friday when you're nurturing those sponsor relationships and everything else that goes along with racing as a business? Yeah, it's a full-time job. You know, it's like any other business, you know, um, you're obviously nurturing the, the clients that you have or, or, you know, partners or sponsorship, however you want to, you know, word it, but you're constantly nurturing those relationships and uh, working with them to, you know, not only develop product, products, but uh, market their brand, you know, um, building brands is, is a big thing these days and key to, um, success, you know, for a lot of manufacturers and a lot of sponsors or partners, if you will. Um, so you, you, you gotta, you gotta look at it as a, look at it as a business, you know, you can't just think that, Hey, it's free money because nothing in this world is free. Um, you know, I think I look at it probably a lot different than a lot of other guys, because this is how I have to feed my family. Um, this has to work. I have to be successful at it. And, um, in order to do so, you got to treat people, right. You got to treat your partners, right. And, uh, you got to constantly be looking towards the next thing of, of how to up the program. So aside from, you know, racing as your nine to five job, managing the whole business side of it, like you said, you're already, you're also uh, building, supporting trucks for other drivers, but what do you do to work on yourself as a, a driver? How do you keep yourself in, in top shape as an athlete? 
honestly, um, you know, I, I came from racing motocross and supercross, so I still try to ride my dirt bike as often as I possibly can. Um, I go to the gym a lot. I, I really, you know, one of the best things for me to clear my head is running. I really enjoy running and jogging. Uh, the past couple of years, I kind of got so busy with the business. I think I stopped spending time for myself or taking time for myself. And that's one thing I really try to focus on this off season is taking time for myself mentally, physically, uh, to get back in shape and to clear my head and, and to, um, you know, really enjoy what I'm getting to do the past couple of years. I think I just focused so hard on just like build, 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 build of building this team and trying to, you know, kind of build some sort of an empire here, um, which I think we've been pretty successful at, but, um, I started noticing that like my passion for it started going away. The, the love for the sport that I had kind of started dwindling away. And that's when I went into the soft season and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I need to start taking one or two days a week to focus on me, you know, go to the gym every day or go for a run every day, but take a day or two to go ride my dirt bike, go drive go-karts, go have some fun again. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're only here for, for so long on this earth. And, uh, you know, you might as well enjoy the time that you, you know, you have here because you're just working yourself into the ground. You're going to look back one day and go, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy any of it. So what, what's any of it worth? So um, really try to kind of step back and, and focus on having some fun again and, and really enjoying myself and my family uh, this off season. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. Uh, I, I feel like that's a struggle that anybody who's trying to run a business or trying to make a name for themselves, they, they eventually run into that. I know in my own experience, it's, easy for me to get close to getting burned out on short course off-road racing. And I, I talked to Brent about that quite a bit because, you know, after world championship weekend, we kind of feel the same thing where it, we're always talking to each other about racing or talking to other people about racing, doing this podcast, which we love to do and, and being at the events, man, it can take a lot out of you. It's a, a long season and for you to do it year round is uh, even more impressive. Yeah, it can be gnarly and it, it's obviously overwhelming, but you know, to do it, you got to have love for the sport you got to have passion for it and you know kudos to you guys for doing what you do um it's much appreciated because it's you know podcasts like this and everything that you guys do to help grow our sport that helps allow me to make this a living you know um everything we all got to work together essentially and uh you know it's much appreciated on on my end uh with what you guys do um you know it uh it doesn't go unnoticed and and you know it, it's hard at times you know it's hard to hard to not talk about racing because it's, it's all we do and all we love but you know, you have to for, for your own sanity, you, you got to start taking time for yourself. And, and I learned, you know, the hard way and, and, you know, got to the point where I was burned out. Like I didn't, I didn't want to even look at a truck after, you know, say February of this year. I'm like, dude, I could care less if I go racing, <laughs> but That's had to, had to really take some time and, and just, uh, you know, find the love again and start having some fun again. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to say that just like my brother and I tried like doing our racing all through our life. And it's, I totally get what you mean. Like all of a sudden you'll just be burnt out. You're like, all right, I just, let's take a step back. And then one week you wake up that one morning you wake up and you bump into your race car, your truck. You're like, man, I should probably work on it. I'll give it a couple of days. And all of a sudden you're back at it again. You're like not sleeping. And that's what I was going to go to you. Like, do you even sleep at night, dude, or what? Dude, not, uh, not very often. My wife gets pretty upset at me because uh, I just lay there and I, I think, out loud i talk to myself like laying there like a plans of stuff i want to do and half time i'm talking to her and she's falling asleep or whatever but you know there's just there's so much that goes into this sport from so many aspects different angles that you have to be on top of it mentally you have to be constantly planning and you have to constantly be preparing and you know 
being one step ahead of the next guy is, is what gets you ahead in this sport. And, um, for, for many years, I just, you know, I didn't sleep and I was so strung out, just like wide open with this goal and passion. And, and it finally got to the point where, you know, like I said, this off season, I'm like, I just got to step back a little bit and enjoy, you know, smell the roses type deal, you know, and just enjoy, enjoy life for what it is and enjoy our sport for what it is and, and just be thankful that we get to do it. Um, you know, so honestly didn't even like look at a race car, you know, in, in the light of other than working on it. But like, I wasn't like, Oh, I'm so excited to get in my truck probably until last week, to be honest with you. I took, um, I took gray out tests and I took Brody out tests and I took Carson tests and, and it wasn't until we got on the track and I saw these guys driving that I got excited about driving again. And then halfway through the day, I'm like, I need to get back in a car. Right. And my truck wasn't there. So I grabbed my helmet and I got in Gray's prospect. I'm like, here, watch this, watch the old man, watch, watch how you do things. You know, he kind of gave her some, le- <laughs> some lessons on what to do here, but um, it was fun. I, I, you know, it totally re-sparked, you know, the passion and, and showed me why I've worked so hard the past, you know, 12, 13 years to build what I've built is because there's nothing cooler on the face of this plant than driving a short course off-road truck. Yeah. It's really clear too, that all your hard work, you know, especially the the business side of it is really paying off. You're one of a really small handful of drivers with any kind of factory support and short course. Uh, you're the only Chevy driver with factory support in champ off-road. Do you think there's still more avenues open for other drivers to get those big partnerships like that? And how do they do it? I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know as of right now, um, there's three other manufacturers that are looking to get involved. Um, they're just looking for the right partnership, the right person, the right personality, um, the right program um, to get involved with. Um, you know, there is plenty of opportunity out there. Um, these guys really need to start digging in and, and give these manufacturers, give these sponsors reasons. Give them a reason to come play. I told a couple of the guys, I'm like, use the fact that Chevy's here with me, use that as a, as a, as a, a ply board, if you will. Like, right, you know, right. like use mm-hmm. it to, to get these guys, Hey, Chevy's here playing. Look at, they got a program. Don't you want to, the whole, the whole four Chevy battle has been going on for 50 years, hundred years, you know, like, why aren't you, why aren't you playing that? You know, you play that card, use that card to, to get these guys involved. Cause I know they want to play. It's just, it takes the right program. Um, it takes the right personality and, and, uh, you know, it'll happen, but, um, you know, I can't do it for these guys. I can't tell them everything, how to do it, but you know, the the opportunities are there. And a lot of it, if you think of it though, Ryan, I mean, you can cut me if I'm wrong, but I mean, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, and making those partnerships, they're not going to just come to your house. You have to go out there and give them something to grab onto. A hundred percent. You know, um, I'll be honest with you how my Chevy deal started was at ERX two years ago in 2020. That's when my Chevy deal started. I didn't have really a Chevy deal. I had some some ins and some ties with Chevy Performance, but it wasn't with like a true OEM. You know, it was it was some backdoor stuff, you know, buddy helping here and some, some friends there. But I was at ERX. I had a Chevy body. I had a Chevy motor. And just so happened, one of the bigwigs from Chevrolet was there just cruising around with his, his wife, hanging out, having some fun. And decided to walk by our pit, saw that we had a good-looking professional pit, saw that I had a new Chevy body, and asked why I did it. I said, well, I didn't want to run a Ford Raptor, because that's what everybody freaking runs. Um, I'm like, I want to do something different, be a little different. I've always been a Chevy guy. Um, Come to find out, a couple races later, uh, he was the 
general manager and, and president of, of GM, uh, GM, uh, propulsion, which is like an engine department basically. And, uh, he was very impressed with our program. Um, I didn't really know anybody prior. I, I didn't know anybody that knew him. He didn't know me. We just met on a whim. Like it was kind of on my part, full luck, you know, that this guy was walking by and I just, I was prepared for the moment that somebody from Chevy wanted to get involved in short course. They saw my program and he came by and we started working on something, started talking and introduced himself. And then, and, you know, it wasn't until a couple of weeks later that he told me who he was, you know, Hey, I, I work for Chevy and we'd like to talk to you, you some more. Um, and it just worked like that. It was, it, it just kind of fell into place. Um, right but place, right there time. is a lot of that. Yeah. Right place, right time, you know, is really what it came down to. Um, so there was some luck on my end, but I was prepared for once that opportunity presented itself. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, okay, well, you know, I'm not prepared now, but give me a couple of weeks or, Hey, you know, I'll do this or do that. No, I was prepared to prepared at the time that they came by, you know, prepared for an opportunity once it, you know, presented itself. So I think, um, there's a lot of, you know, networking. I think networking is the best word to put towards it. You got to constantly network with, with people of who they know, who you might know, who you, who you might be able to get in touch with that, that may know somebody else. That networking is so huge and so important. In, in the aspect of getting sponsorship or bringing new sponsor, sponsors or partners uh, to, to be involved is, is networking. I think that's where a lot of people miss the boat. They just don't network properly. So the Chevy deal, you kind of, like you said, you almost, it was just a lucky break that you got at ERX or a couple of years ago. Um, how did you parlay that into helping develop an entirely new class with ProSpec? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, it for sure was, was, I, I look at it like luck or God sent, however you want to look at it. Um, I was just right place, right time. I was prepared for the opportunity and we started talking and, you know, they started kind of getting involved and, and then they said, you know, that, uh, they had been, you know, slowly talking to the series about doing this or doing that. And they got my thoughts and then, uh, the series came to me and said, Hey, we want to develop a class. We want your input. We know you probably spent the most time in ProLite, you know, and know the most about ProLite. You're still one of the only builders building them. Um, you know, what's your thoughts? And then Chevy came back to me and said, Hey, we'd like you to, we'd like to partner with you to build the first truck and see what we can do with it. See if it's something cool, see if it's a cool aspect, see if we can get some interest between the series and Chevrolet working together. Um, they were able to kind of come up with this prospect class and myself, I was able to help write the rule book um and really develop what i felt you know was a great stepping stone from anything that's not like a pro class you know trophy cart mod cart um side by side super stocks a good stepping stone to prepare people before they go into the you know pro light class the pro light class ultra fast ultra expensive and this is like a good stepping stone you know i've, I've done the whole pro light thing and spent way too much money racing ProLite at one time and, and really felt that there was a, a missing gap there between, you know, sportsman divisions and pro divisions. There needed to be a stepping stone. Um, Chevy had a, a motor platform that, that they felt would be great for the stepping stone. Um, and we, we ran with it. You know, we, we were able to develop and put together what now is the V6 Prospect class. So you actually posted today, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday before Annie go, that uh, Gray Ledbetter, you mentioned her name a little while ago, is going to be driving your pro spec truck for this year. Obviously, she's super talented. She's got the chops, a ton of seat time already in short course, while also doing some sprint car racing, some drifting. And 
she's obviously got a knack for marketing herself as well. Is that why she makes such a great fit for racing under your awning? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, she's a badass behind the wheel, but she, uh, you know, she does her part. You, you look at her social media; she's very active on social media. She's well spoken, um, and not to mention, she's a badass female racer. And in this day and age, it's important to have you know females out there racing. Um, they're just as strong and just as competitive as any male. Um, so it's important for us to uh, you know uh, give give a female a shot as it is, you know, any, any other male. So, um, we're really excited to introduce this program. Um, you know, uh, I think she's a great fit. I think she'll, she'll do very well in the class. Um, we had a list of girls that were six or seven girls long. We had a couple male drivers, you know, uh, up and comer kids that, that we were looking at and, and just felt that, um, short course truck racing needed, needed a female and needed a female face. Um, so that, you know, younger girls have someone to look up to, you know, there's a lot of fans of short course off-road racing, but there's not many girls that get to do it at the professional level. So for me, it was, I have, to, I have two, I have two daughters, one's five and one's one. And I want them to one day have someone to look up to in this sport. I don't want them to always look at our sport and just be like, Oh, it's only a man's sport. Right. You know, girls need to feel well, felt, you know, females need to feel welcome to come play in the sport too. So, um, I thought it was important to, to, to help mold a role model for, for my daughters and, and short course racing in general, you know, on, on the female spectrum. Yeah. Not only will she inspire, you know, future generations of drivers, but already in our youth classes, our short course mod carts, one seventies and five seventies, they're like 40% female drivers. So, you know, that's, that'll inspire the next uh, generation of, you know, people to follow in Gray's footsteps. Absolutely. And that's, that's so badass. And we need to, we need to recognize those, those, those girls that are, that are doing the work and, and putting it in and going out and kicking in the boys' butts. It's awesome. Um, you know, so, uh, I really felt and was excited to put this program together, uh, with Gray and, and, you know, have her come aboard and see what she's got, you know? So Ryan, like, I know you picked Gray Ledbetter, but you also have other drivers underneath that awning. Like we're talking, new drivers trying to come in the sport and young drivers. I mean, are there people calling you at random times, like ad- asking you for help and guidance? Like, Hey, I have an old truck here. What should I do with it? Or is it pretty much if you want to be a part of their program or help them, do you just, would you rather them come to you? Obviously, but do you go out of your way and help people on the side that people don't know about? Yeah, no, absolutely. I- I'd say I'd probably get two to three phone calls a week of people that are building trucks of their own and just looking for some advice, looking for help, looking for guidance. Um, I get calls weekly of people wanting to know, you know, what's it take and how, how do they get involved with my program? Um, you know, hey, they got a kid who's racing, you know, side by side, but they're looking at racing ProLite in two years. Can they start building a truck now or can I start helping them and start grooming them? Um, I get those phone calls all the time and it, it's, it's truly honoring that people are, are, are reaching out to me in the masses that they are. Um, it's, it's really cool. Um, I love helping and, and seeing the sport grow. That's my biggest goal is to see short course explode and be as big as you can. And if people come into the sport and they can't find help and they can't, and they feel defeated before they even get started, it's not going to grow our sport. We all need to help each other and, and people that want to come in, we especially need to help because they're, 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 they're new people coming in. If we can retain those people for a longer lifespan than just, hey, two or three years, they're going to be opt to spend money for, for 
10, 15 years of, of doing this, to get them some help, get them some sponsorship, teach them how to acquire sponsorship, teach them how to set up the trucks. The sport's going to grow and it, it'll keep growing, you know, at the rate that it's growing now. I think you'll keep seeing it grow. And for me, it's, I mean, there's nothing cooler than seeing the sport grow. We need it to grow. Um, and the only way to do that is, is to help others, you know? So when you like got that spec light class going, I mean, are you expecting it to be a long-term thing just for an entry-level class, or are you expecting it to take over everything in ProLite? No, I think it's just going to be an entry-level. I don't think the, the goal of it was never to replace ProLite. ProLite's badass. I mean, uh, I love ProLite still to this day. I mean, we field four other ProLites underneath our, our camp. So, um, for me, it was never to replace ProLite. It was just an option, a stepping stone to prepare kids to run those types of speeds, you know what I mean? Pro lights are doing 80, 90 miles an hour at Crandon. If you're going from a mod cart to a 90 mile an hour, 3,400 pound truck, that's a big jump, you know, and, and that's a big jump for anybody. So whether it be a side-by-side or, a, you know, super stock truck, um, there needed to be a stepping stone for safety purposes and for experience. You know, I don't think it's safe to just throw anybody into a pro light that, that is as fast as it is. And, and plus the budgets, give these people a chance to, go out and build their name in a prospect class where they can win some races, get some notoriety, maybe get a tire deal, maybe get a sponsor, maybe get a shock deal, you know, um, get them some, some speed under their feet before they jump into such a, a gnarly class like pro life. Absolutely. Such a great explanation. Yeah. So looking at uh, Annie go, it looks like there's a, a small handful of uh, pro spec trucks showing up. And I know that, you know, throughout the whole summer last year, it was kind of an open conversation with all sorts of drivers uh, interested, maybe kicking the tires on the class a little bit. Uh, we end up with Chris Vandenels and you've got Easton sleeper in your truck from last year, uh, gray Ledbetter, And then uh, Nick Visser, what do you think of that group of people? And what do you think this year holds for that group and anybody else that might show up? I think it's good. I know there's two other trucks being built right now because I've sold parts, um, some of the parts that we built for the prospects. Nice. Um, we sold some parts to two other trucks. They maybe not be done yet, but they'll be out here at some point. Um, I think the class is is going to keep growing. It's like any new class. You know, people are really skeptical at first. They're like, man, why keep adding and making things more difficult? But I think as people start to see how budget-friendly these trucks are, how inexpensive they are to run, and maintain, you're going to start seeing a lot of people look at that class before they go to ProLite. You know, like I said, a stepping stone. Um, I, I think this this first year with those four or five trucks are going to be out there right away. I think it'll be a great great kickoff and straight start. It, it'll it'll snowball. It'll end up growing, and you know, every year you get a couple more trucks coming, a couple more new trucks. Um, I have two two new prospects on order already for next season that people want us to build this off season. Um, so I mean, it's it's good. I think it's it's great for the sport. It's great for people's pocketbooks, especially in this economy right now that everything's so freaking expensive. Um, it's an option to keep people out there and racing. That's awesome. That's totally cool. And I know I've sold my ProLite stuff to some guys, so you'll see a couple more trucks coming out. So it's so cool to see what you've done, and it's crazy. It's going to be over the top. Sky's the limit with you, and that's what's so cool to talk to you and knowing you for so many years to see you just keep progressing and to hear that you lose like your heart at the sport a little bit and like to go away it makes me feel a little better because my brother and I that's all we lived and died is just wanted to be around this sport but the good times and the bad it equals out you know yeah it happens you know it's not always going to be cupcakes and roses <laughs> there's going to be tough times there's going to be times that where you're wore out and you're just like man I'm over this but 
you know what, at the end of the day, you hear those engines fire up or you get behind the seat, you smell the race gas. There's nothing better. I mean, all of us racers at heart will always come back to racing no matter what. You know, there's so many times I've I've contemplated retiring. Ah, hell with it. I'm going to retire or whatever, be done racing. And my wife looks at me and goes, then what are you going to do? Yeah, you, you <laughs> can't like, do that. Well, you're be a <laughs> can't do that. A garage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that you would be good, but come on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So it's a, you know, everybody has, you know, those ups and down days and it's, you know, at the end of the day, the smell of the race gas, you know, the feeling of the engines run, the sound of Johnny Greaves or CJ going through turn one with their Toyota screaming, you know, I'm a, I'm a Chevy guy, but at the end of the day, when you hear that Toyota, it's still sick. I mean, there's nothing cooler than short course when these trucks are battling. Um, You know, it, it, like I say, this is the greatest form of motorsports there is um it's just it's taking longer than it should to uh to be mainstream and, and i think uh, as we get more people involved more racers involved and help introduce them uh, part of my move to north carolina specifically was to surround myself with other forms of professional racing and, and maybe bring more attention to short course you know mooresville and, and north carolina is like the mecca of of, of nascar indycar imsa any nhra i mean any form of motorsport that you can think of their hub is usually based out of North Carolina. So being there, just already being there in the couple months that we've been there and moved our program there, we've had all kinds of crazy big names come through our shop. People look at the off-road trucks that are like, man, this is badass. I want to try it. I want to get in a truck. You know, guys like Clint Boyer, Kyle Larson, these guys have all been to our shops and seen our stuff and they're like, this is freaking badass. Right. You imagine putting Kyle Larson behind a Pro 2 or Pro 4, even a Pro Light. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're just trying to get schedules aligned. <laughs> it's uh, really clear too that over the last couple of years, the the short course scene is starting to take a foothold down in that corner of the United States. You've got a handful. Of, you know, you've moved down to North Carolina. Gray Ledbetter also from North Carolina, and then you've got a handful of guys from Georgia, just a couple states away. So you know, I think we're close to a, a boom of racers coming out of there. Yeah, Maddox Bailey just moved to North Carolina as well. So. We're starting to get our foothold there, and I think uh, as we're there, you know, I mean, we've had several big brands. I'm talking really big brands that have come to our shop and looked at what we do and the tools we use, and you know, Mechanicsware has been uh, aiding, helping, you know, introduce us to a lot of these teams, brands. Uh, Chevrolet has been a big help at that, you know, getting us connected there in North Carolina. And now that we're there, people are taking notice. It's slowly, it's slowly happened, but now every once in a while, I get texts from random people in North Carolina, they're like, Hey man, I'd never seen this stuff until, you know, I met you and then I started paying attention to it. And now, dude, this is sick. This is way cooler than NASCAR, you know, like stuff like that. So it's conversations like that, that now that we're in front of these people in North Carolina, more people are starting to take notice in the professional motorsports industry of what short course really is. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that you're painting a picture of a bright future for short course racing to, to grow into that part of the country. Yeah, absolutely. We're trying. And, and I, so far we've been really successful and I look forward to continuing every week that we're there and, you know, operating our shop, we get people stopping by, um, NASCAR champions, like Ron Hornaday, Kyle Larson, people, these people are interested in off-road now. They're, they're into it. They're, they're, they're starting to become fans of it. And it only takes a matter of time before once those guys start talking about it, and, you know, just the vibe spreads, you know, people start getting pumped on it. It's something new and cool and stuff that most people haven't seen they don't usually see trucks fly 50 feet through the air you know or 20 inches of wheel travel they don't see that that's not every day so something new and cool like that 
in front of these people and, and kind of putting ourselves in the right place, uh, I think definitely will help the sport a short course. Yeah, and you talk about like when you bring in those kind of drivers, I mean, sprint cars taking over a lot of those pro athletes like Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. I mean, when they're not racing a circle track car on asphalt, they're at Millbridge running Millbridge and getting lap times, getting seat time. And I just watch those guys run dirt. It's like, come on, guys, just take one more step. Come on, one more step, get in a truck. Yep, yep. Me and Sheldon talk daily. Um, he's become one of my really good friends. He's there now. And um, we, we're constantly trying to work on getting him back in a short course truck. He'd love to. It's obviously, schedules are, are hard because they race, you know, most Saturdays, which is when we're racing. So um, one of these days, all the schedules will align, and we'll have Sheldon and Kyle Larson. Clint Boyer and all these guys out here running the truck. <laughs> and you got me, uh, you got me all revved up for the future. But uh, looking ahead to the to the very near future, we don't want to take up too much more of your time here. But uh, Anigo this weekend, rounds one and two of the 2022 season, finally here after this uh, another long off season. Uh, starts off Friday night that Yokohama Duel of Champions, one v one Pro Two racing. Are you excited about a brand new format coming to short course? Yeah, I think it's a great format. Um, it's a really cool opportunity for, you know, some sponsors to get involved and put up some money. Um, you know, unfortunately, I won't be participating in it, uh, but uh, it'll be really cool. It'll be cool to see. Um, obviously, you know, for me, um, I don't know if I'm a fan of it yet. Uh, not the format, but more or less the time of when we're doing it. If we were doing it Sunday night, I'd be all game. But for me to jeopardize... Nice. yeah. Friday night, you know, before a Saturday, you can either make your weekend really long and a big headache, or you know, it, it could go it could go great. But for me, uh, in the position that I'm at, with with wanting to race for a championship and wanting to prepare my team uh, to be out there racing for what the the real goal is, um, I just don't feel comfortable taking the chance at this time. It's three lap shootouts. I don't feel all the racers are going to be totally respectful because it's a it's a it's a one and done deal. You know what I mean? You're racing for money. Sure. I don't think racers are totally going to be completely respectful during that race. Um, I don't want to tear up a bunch of equipment, um, you know, for now if it was different for a hundred grand or 50 grand. It'd be different, but right. you know, 10 grand split three ways, uh, you know, for the top three guys, Hey, it's great money. It's really cool. But unfortunately it doesn't even cover the fuel bill. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in it, but uh, I look forward to the future of them putting together maybe a little bigger purse or, uh, you know, doing it at a different time. Uh, maybe not Friday before our first race of the year, kicking off our season. Um, so, yeah, I look forward to watching it. It'd be pretty cool. I've what seen... about the uh, – go ahead, Brent. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You can go. I was going to say, what about the track itself at Anigo? It's I think it's sweet. Hand... I love Anigo. I mean, it's tight. It's kind of super crossy. Um it's really fun, in my opinion. I think it's a great track. I love the fact that we're right there in the middle of town. You get a lot of spectators. Um, <laughs> there's food. There's hotels. There's there's amenities that are close by that make going to that race fun. I think it's cool. Does your motocross background really help you out there? It's such a tight track. The Pro 2 field, obviously, is a, a big field. It's a crowded track with that many trucks on it. Does uh, you know racing bar-to-bar -bar in your past really come into play for you? I think so. Um, you know, in motocross, you race so closely in such a, you know, confined space, supercross. Um, it's just like, you know, for me, it's normal, it, it, you know, racing that close and being door to door, uh, bar to bar, however you may look at it is, uh, is just normal. <laughs> no, I, I, I like to go like growing up, my brother and I, we've, we've won quite a few races inside and out of short tracks. And Anigo was always just that one track where it wasn't, 
It wasn't crazy with the jumps. It wasn't really like high flying, <clears throat> excuse me, rollers, but it was technical coming back in that infield. I don't know how many guys last year we were giving them a hard time backing it into that infield. How many over rotated hit that tractor tire? I mean, Kyle LaDuke, Keaton Kincaid, I mean, Jarrett Brooks even over-rotated. I mean, you can say a track what it's worth and what it is, but every driver has to go through it. So, like, you preparing for it, I mean, do you like that better than a Bark River, or would you rather get out and just check out at Cranon? I like Cranon. I like the big, high-speed tracks, you know, the, the, the really fast tracks. I really enjoy them. But then I also like going to the tight stuff, too. I mean, it, it, you have to have both. You can't just have a series made up of just Cranons. You right. got to have the tight tracks and the technical and, and separate, you know, people. And there's going to be some guys that are stronger at certain tracks that fit their, fit their driving style, you know, and then there's going to be some tracks that are, that they're going to suck at, you know? So, um, you know, just trying to, you know, I, I really focus on trying to be a well-rounded driver that does pretty good at all of them. Um, and you know, so far it's been working out, but I enjoy it. I enjoy, uh, Anago just as much as I enjoy Cranon. You know, I love, I love Bark River. Uh, all the tracks here are, are just sick. I mean, it, that's why we came back here and decided to race back here um, prior to the Lucas series closing. Um, as you guys know, I was racing back here, you know, racing both series. I was doing coast to coast travel and racing both series um, because I love racing back here too. I mean, the tracks are, are sick. They're, they're a blast. Well, you, uh, like I said a couple of times already, you've got me excited. <laughs> I mean, Annie goes only a couple of days away. Um, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We, I, I sincerely appreciate you taking this much time for us. I know the fans will appreciate it as well. We love your insight that you brought to this. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, my man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. And uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to getting out there and having some fun this year. And if there's anything you guys ever want insight to or want information, let me know. I'd love to share. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, dude. Can't wait to see you guys. And Shane and I have been both talking the last couple of weeks. We're like, dude, we can't just – wait to get back and mingle with our buddies, you know, our friends. Yeah. That's what we all love, man. Being at the races and uh, seeing race cars go fast. So excited to see you guys out there and, and uh, look forward to getting things going here in a few days. Sounds good, Ryan. Take care. Yeah. Take cool, care. Guys. Take care. Thank you. As always, this podcast is presented by Amsoil. Champ Off-Road fans, remember to visit Amsoil.com for products that protect and maximize performance in all your vehicles and motorized toys. Use the convenient Amsoil product guides to find where you need to get fast, free shipping right to your door. Amsoil, run with us. Okay, our next guest on the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil, defending super stock truck champ and our good friend, I think, Joe Machosik. How you doing, Joey? Uh, good. I'm doing good. How about you guys? I'm doing great. Have you uh, listened to any episodes of the Champ Off-Road Podcast lately? Uh, I have. I have. Sounds like uh, you guys are talking some smack. <laughs> well, we both are. <laughs> Trying to give you that extra motivation to uh, push you over the top. Yeah, that's that's all it gives me, extra motivation. Go out there and do it again. Hey, so last year at Anigo, you told us uh, what you wanted more than anything in the whole world was to win that championship in Superstock. Then you went out and had a great consistent season and you got it done. So... Uh, after the that all set in, after the dust settled on your championship season, you know what's your off season like as a defending champion? Um, honestly, uh, after the the last race, the truck was pretty beat up. Um, had an unfortunate incident after the race happened, got hit or whatever, and the whole back half of the truck was completely bent, um, basically behind the cab, 
to the rear rear bumper. So we had to basically frame the back back half and uh, repipe the whole thing. That's, oh, it's basically new truck from uh, the middle back. <laughs> and so you you and your dad fix that yourself, obviously, because you guys are both hands on. But that must have took some time, though. Yeah. Um. Luckily, uh, we know Jerry Conrad at uh, the Auto Salvage up in Eau Claire. He always helps us out over the years, and he he got us a frame basically right when we asked them. So it was basically just putting the time in and making sure it's uh, all square. Now that you've gotten over the top of the hill and won that championship, does your mental approach to racing change at all? Or do you come in with the same mindset that you just want to go compete and do as well as you can? I think it's kind of, you know, you got it now. So I want to, I want to (laughs) win. Last year was more consistent, you know, get it done. Don't break. And this year, I'm, I think I'm going more for wins. The championship as well, but I want to be the fastest truck out there. Well, they say when you win, the championship will come to you. So, I mean, I, I mean, obviously that is set in stone. People say that, but to accomplish that is another thing. And you've obviously seen that over the years. But, I mean, you've, you've kept your head down. It seems like we're always talking about you. We're always bringing you in our cameras. And, granted, we're friends, you, me, and Shane, and we always come to your pit and hang out. That's more fun to us than anything. Watching you on the track and progress as a driver, it's been real fun. It's cool to watch Super Stock Truck, but to lay everything aside, you still got to drive the truck. And, hey, man, you won the championship. You got to be stoked. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely stoked about it. As I said, it's been seven years working for it we've had a couple slip away on us um and that's a heartbreak you know you you leave the points for a long time and get to the last round or two and you know something breaks something unfortunate happens and that's racing um and that's why this year or last year we we tried to stay consistent running up front is hard you you break your stuff a lot especially if you don't get a good start you start maybe towards the back a little bit it's hard to get up front you you bend stuff, break stuff, trying to do that. So Brent mentioned your dad, Larry Machosik. Obviously, anybody that's uh, been around the sport like we have, they know that name. Uh, you took over driving for him and got into super stock truck. But when he was in the class, he kind of had a reputation. Uh, the best way I can describe it to a casual fan is he was like the Kurt LeDuc of the sportsman, where respect. That's good. That's good. Yeah, re- That's good. respect from Larry had to be earned. Uh and I think some of that reputation followed the truck after you took over. But what I noticed this last year is that you were, you know, you took your patience on the track to a whole other level. Is that something that you made a conscious effort to do is be more patient? Yeah. Um, he's in my ear spotting for me. So he does a great job calming me down. You, you can't win them all. And uh, it took me some time to understand that. So, he, he, he does a good job keeping me calm, um, telling me what I need to do and if I'm in the right position to go for it. That's awesome, man. There, yeah, and it's so it's so hard to just say, hey, I'm going to win every race like you said, but it takes a lot. I mean, just being in that class myself, it's not just one, two, three good drivers. There's 10, 11, 12 good drivers, and there's eight, nine great drivers that can win at any given time. So it's not like people listening to this, podcast get mad that i think certain guys are fast and certain guys are not but we have the competition in that class and if you want to win you better have all your ducks in a row to make it happen because one little thing you could go from front to dead last and sitting on the side yep 
that's uh, especially at the beginning of the season, the, the first round. You don't get in that, that invert. It's going to be real tough. So do you single out certain guys in Super Stock Truck that, that are kind of your rivals? I'm thinking of uh, other guys that are always up front, like Nick Bing, Kyle Cooper, maybe somebody else. Or do you not really look at it that way? You're just out there to run your own race. Well, you, you have the guys out there that you, you want to beat just to feel good, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to win every race, but you know the guys that are running up front, and as long as you do your job and you beat them, you still feel almost like a win most of the time. Yeah, and, and, and I totally agree with that as well, like the winning in type situations with Super Stock Truck, but it's just to keep your nose clean and those competitors, yeah, you could be like, I'm going to beat Bing today, I'm going to beat Kyle Cooper today. But who knows, you know, these newcomers coming in, it's like you could keep your eyes set on one person, but you said it perfect. You, at any given time, anybody could win. Yeah, I learned a lot racing Nick Bing, um, the secret driver coming into the series. Still um, in the Ford. Um, you're just trying was, to give uh, you're trying to give clues to who it is. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say who it is, but I think most people know. Uh, he He kicked my butt for about two years straight. And I learned a lot from him. And he basically uh, taught me almost how to drive because that's when uh, the video was coming out. So I was like, why Why is this dude kicking my butt? What am I doing wrong? And then you just go to film and you study and you, you see what you're doing wrong. And eventually I started beating him. Is that something you do a lot of watching film of uh, yourself and other drivers? Because last year we had Billy Booth on the podcast and he said he just grinds, you know, hours of, anything he can get his hands on classes he's not even racing in guys he's never raced against he he tries to consume as much of it as he can are you the same way yeah i probably watch just about as uh, just about as much as brent does <laughs> i like to watch pro light stock trucks super stock anything kind of near our class um you can pick up on driving styles anywhere they're faster than you you know anything little like that just the momentum classes like shane and I both like the super stock truck class, but then you look at your 1600 buggy, your, your, uh, 1600 single buggy. You're always trying to carry the momentum through the turns through every part of that track. Cause I'll tell you to put a lap together. You know, this Joey, you have to put the whole lap together. You could be good on three corners and two corners down the road. You could mess up. You just costed yourself everything you put together. So it's not easy. Yeah. Especially when tracks, aren't perfect uh you know it's off-road racing you get rain you get dust you get off the line um especially in super stock truck in the beginning of the race even towards the end these trucks don't have enough power to go through the fluff so right, when you right. get out there you can get passed by two three trucks brent talked about how deep the field is in super stock truck how competitive it is there's also some big personalities some big egos and last year it got super dramatic, especially I'm thinking about Bark River kind of spilled over into some uh, tension, some contact on the track. But you managed to stay clear of that pretty much all year. You were kind of just running your own race. Is that Does that just come down again to that patience that you've developed over the years? Or is it luck or is it something else? Bark River, when we had the big crash and we all got talked to, um, I was a victim of that crash, mm -hmm. <laughs> I like to say. Everybody kind of balled up in the front, and I had nowhere to go. Right. And that's when uh, somebody hit my rear tire, basically took my transmission out. So that was the only race I didn't finish the whole year. And that was the only time we inverted 10 
we had some reckless drivers up front. Yeah, that makes it so hard too, as well. I mean, I mean, as announcers, Shane, you can say if I'm wrong, but we both feel the same way about a lot of different things. And watching that race, I mean, I won't say names or anything, but it's so hard as us calling play by play, not to even call out, maybe to even call out somebody individually, because we want to see each and one of every one of you guys battle to the end because we know you guys are great drivers but then if you get a couple guys that pull their head out of their rear end and don't know where they're going or they make that one jump move in the beginning they take out eight ten great trucks that just takes the wind out of our sail shane and i because we love that class we love everything about it and if you take out the front runners that's not really right yeah it's not good for the show the fans don't get as much out of it you know the you want to see all the fast guys running full strength at the end. You don't want to see people sidelined. Yeah, we, Joe, do you we want to race that, hard. Yeah. We just don't, we want to race hard. We just don't want to take people out. Right. So have, have you had any discussions with other drivers in Superstock about that? Or do you kind of yeah. mind your own yeah, business? Yeah, it, it happens from time to time. I mean, certain drivers you feel comfortable going, you know, side by side on any given jump. And some drivers you don't feel comfortable no matter where you are around them. And, uh, it's sometimes, you know, you have to try to pull away, but when they're hitting you and bumping you, it's hard to hard to get away from them because you have to play defensive almost in a way because you know they're just going to dive bomb every inside corner they possibly can. Right, right. And you have to put yourself in that position not to get taken out as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you think you guys... that all starts with the invert. I'm I'm very happy. I know a lot of drivers aren't happy with the invert this year last year. But I think that was a great add to our class. Not only the deeper invert after it switched partway through the year last year, but looking ahead to Anigo, you have a random draw for starting spots. So you could have some really bad luck potentially and start near the back. So are you out uh, looking for four leaf clovers all week to try to get that lucky draw? Yeah, hopefully I get a number two like last year. Um, I don't know, maybe bring uh, some candy or donuts to the tech guys. Who knows? What what are you hey Joey coming in after being a past champion like I know your mentality is to win but what are you looking forward most this year what are you looking forward I mean I know you love being at the track you love being around all these great people but your goal is to win but what's your overall season goal obviously to win that championship but do you have anything up your sleeve that you want to try different um yeah like I said last year was more of a consistency year so I still want to be consistent but I want to be battling for first place. I think I got eight seconds last year, and that just it got old. <laughs> when you know you can battle up front and you know you have the speed, um, I just think I held back a little too much last year. So you're saying we should see you uh, turn up the juice to 10 this year? Yes, as you said. I so no I more waiting around. I just, wait, everybody wants to win, <laughs> and that's right. what the goal is. Um, I did get one last year and that was a mud race. And I actually got it by default because, um, Cyburn didn't go through tech. Um, so yeah. No, Joey, I've, I've talked to other guys in super stock truck and even my cousin Braden Bosch on that. I mean, these young guys coming into the class, I mean, not only Braden, there's other young fellers coming in from, like stock truck and moving their way through the ranks. I mean, is there any info and help you can give those newcomers coming in? I know you want to race them clean. You got to 
gain your respect, but anything you could give that young kid? Yeah, watch watch footage. I mean, it, you can learn learn a lot from it, and you can learn what's clean and what's dirty. I mean, a lot of people know in their head what is clean and what's dirty and what's rough racing, but we want to battle, you know. So I was once that kid. I mean, you guys saw. I was pretty aggressive when I first started racing, and uh, it does come with time. But one so you thing started I, like your dad. You started like yeah. your dad, then aggressive. But <laughs> one thing I didn't have when I started was footage. I mean, right. it's easy to go back, you know, after the race when you don't, you didn't, you didn't see what happened and say, "Oh, I did this and I did that." But when you see it on footage, and you can kind of, you know, blame yourself for what you did. Camera don't lie. <laughs> exactly. Camera never lies. <laughs> well joe we appreciate the time you're taking with us here uh do you have any uh, predictions for this weekend rounds one and two at antigo <laughs> yeah gonna win them both that's the plan <laughs> yeah that sounds like the right answer and i have one more really important question it's a two-part question yeah are we still friends and can we stop by your pit this weekend ah uh... Yeah, if you bring me a beer or two, I think I think we can make that work. <laughs> okay, what's your number again, Joey? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll see if we can pull some strings and uh, make that happen. First, we got to make sure your dad makes it makes us uh, feel welcome. Yeah, and he doesn't give me a punch in the mouth. <laughs> you got to get through him first. So, no, it's all fun and games. Like I said, if anything, it's more motiva- motivation for me. Heck yeah, man! Well, thanks for talking with us, dude. It's been a pleasure. We can't wait to stop by and hang out if we're allowed to, like we said, but it's going to be a hell of a weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to be there. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. See you soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Well, that'll just about do it for the third episode of the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil. Anigo and the first two rounds are just a couple days away. What are you excited about, Brent? Man, I'm just excited to get back to the track, get to see our friends, family. Everything about it is over the top. This sport is nothing but growing in this near future. Can't wait. The car counts are huge. The track is going to be laid out where it's technical but fast, and the best driver will come to the top. I'm right there alongside you, Brent. I miss my racing friends, and uh, I miss you too, buddy. Thanks once again to our guests, Ryan Beat from Pro 2, Joe Machosik from Super Stock Truck. That's all we've got for this episode. The next time you hear our voices... It'll be live from Anigo Lines Roaring Raceway for the Yokohama Duel of Champions on Friday night, streaming on flowracing.com. For Brent Smith, I'm Shane Stetsny, and thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil.